Well, good morning, everybody. It is Wednesday, the 16th of December. Oh, my gosh. Christmas is around the corner, like around the corner. Hanukkah is in full swing, and it is time for everybody to be celebrating and just loving each other, even if it's from a distance. We can still do it. This will definitely be remembered as the COVID Christmas, but let's all stay home and stay safe, and let's all live. That's my goal. Very excited about the uh, vaccine, the fact that it's a 95% efficacy, and the measles only has a 98% efficacy. So it's, it's right up there with, I think, measles and polio. So we are so lucky. I probably won't get one until next spring, but that's okay. The people who are in the front line are getting it today, which is exciting, exciting. Go America, especially in Portage, Michigan, which is one of Pfizer's plants. And I must admit, I kind of felt robin-chested when I saw them coming out of Portage and the first trucks leaving. Very exciting. It's hope. It's hope. It truly is. So, Good morning, and welcome to our TR90 Body Burn 30 Weight Management Call. It's been an amazing year, and we are all, I think, doing surprisingly well. I am so impressed with all my people on this call who are healthy and doing great. And as Susan always, she talks about food, she talks about um, what's going on on the internal and how the program works. So does Nikki. But my fascination, of course, is with the brain because the brain is what makes us tick. And keeping our brain healthy is part of why we exercise. We keep our body healthy so that it's slim and trim. But the reason we need it to be slim and trim is because we need to have a brain that's working and healthy. And the older I get, the more I appreciate the importance of my brain and keeping it slim and trim. I'll tell you, I really work at remembering things. So here's my first reminder. Repeat to remember and then remember to repeat. And repeat to remember is the short-term memory. Remember to repeat is putting it into long-term memory and wearing those dendrite pads. We have paths in our brain, neuro, in the neuroplasty of our brain, and they are called the dendrites. And dendrites are the little wiry things that go all the way through your brain. And the dendrite paths, the, the deeper the path is, the better the memory. And as we were talking the other day, the intensity of the input can often make a difference. But you've got to remember, the memory always goes in on the same path. It's not like a computer. You have to go in through the same path. So you want that path to be strong. And the first message or the first rule was, the more elaborately we encode information at the moment of learning, the stronger the memory. So if you can add an emotion or a feeling to that memory, you will remember it. Easy, more easily. The same as Medina, and this I'm reading from Brain Rules, John Medina, when he went to see Sir Paul McCartney sing. And because it was a strong memory, 
He remembers the whole night, where they went, where they ate, what they did before, what they did during, what they did after the concert. So remember, the more intense the more intense we encode the information, the stronger the memory. The second one is a trace of memory appears to be stored in the same parts of the brain that perceived and processed the initial input. And that's what I mean when you can't go in through a different path to a memory. You have to go in through the same path. And therefore, you have to build a dendrite path. And the more you go in on a, on a memory the more it will stay. If you want to forget something, just don't think about it, and the path will become less used. So those are things that you need to remember is go through the same path, repeat to remember, and remember to repeat. Now, the third item. What's fascinating, well, first of all, is that when a memory goes in, it's splattered everywhere. Vowels go one place, consonants go another where the letters are placed in the word go another, it's phenomenal. The sounds go in another, the visuals go in another, they're splattered everywhere. And memory or storage appears to be a cooperative event. So retrieval, and this is the third rule, retrieval may be best improved by replacing the conditions surrounding the initial encoding. So remember when you go somewhere and you can't remember what it was? When you get there, go back to where you were when you thought the memory. And by the time you get back there, because your visual processing is there, along with some emotional processing, the memory probably will jump right back into your brain. In one of the most unusual experiments performed in cognitive psychology, the brain function of people standing around on dry ground in wetsuits was compared with the brain function of people floating about in 10 feet of water, also in wetsuits. Both groups of deep-sea divers listened to somebody speak for speak 40 random words. The divers were then tested for their ability to, rec- to recall the list of words. The group that heard the words while in the water got 15% better, a 15% better score if they were asked to recall the water, the words while back in that same 10 feet of water than if they were standing on the beach. And the group that heard the words on the beach got a 15% better score if they were asked to recall the the words while suited on the beach than if in 10 feet of water. Is that not interesting? It appears that the memory worked best if the environmental conditions at the retrieval mimicked the environmental conditions at the encoding. It It is possible that the second characteristic which tries to store events using the same neurons recruited initially to encode the events, is in operation in this third characteristic. So is it possible that the second characteristic, which has a trace memory, which is stored in the same parts of the brain that perceived and 
process the initial input. So is it possible that the second characteristic, which tries to store events using the same neurons recruited initially to encode the events, is in operation in this third characteristic? I think so. That's why I'm saying if you forget something when you get there, go back to where it was, where you thought of it, and it'll probably come flooding back. Also, by the fact that you walk back there, you're also adding a little bit of oxygen and you're moving, and moving seems to to help the the memory processing to come back faster. The tendency is so robust that memory is even improved under conditions where learning of any kind should be crippled. These experiments have been done incorporating marijuana and even laughing gas, nitrous oxide. This third characteristic even responds to mood. Learn something while you are sad and you will be able to to recall it better if at the retrieval time you are somehow suddenly made sad. The condition is called context-dependent or state-dependent learning. So let's look at the ideas. We know that information is remembered best when it is elaborate, meaningful, and contextual. The quality of the encoding stage, those earliest moments of learning, is one of the single greatest predictors of later learning success. What can we do to take advantage of that in the real world? First, we can take the lesson from a shoe store that Medina used to visit as a little boy. This shoe store had a door with three handles at different heights, one near the very top, one near the very bottom, and one in the middle. The logic was simple. The more handles on the door, the more access points were available for entrance, regardless of the strength or the age of the customer. It was a relief for a five-year-old, a door he could actually reach. He was so intrigued with the door that he used to dream about it. And in his dreams, however, there weren't three handles. There were hundreds of handles, all capable of opening the door to, to this one wonderful shoe store. The quality of encoding really means the number of door handles one can put on the entrance to a piece of information. The more handles one creates at the moment of learning, the more likely the information is to be accessed at a later date. The handles we can add revolve around content, timing, and environment. So... If you're looking for content, timing, and environment, the timing of your focus matters, but so does the environment, and that's a huge one. Let's do some real-world examples. The more a learner focuses on the meaning of the prepared information, the more elaborately the encoding will be processed. This principle is so obvious that it's almost too easy, so we miss it. What it means is this. When you are trying to drive a piece of information into your brain's memory systems, make sure you you understand exactly what that information means. 
if you are trying to drive information into someone else's brain, make sure they know what it means. So what is the first thing that's most important? Comprehension. If they understand the idea, it'll be remembered. If the idea was not understood, chances are it won't be remembered. This is why when you're teaching, especially young children, but anybody, or if you're saying something to somebody, what one thing you can say to them is say it back to me. Would you tell me what I just told you? That way you know for sure that they understood. That's why we ask questions in the classroom. All right. The directive has a negative corollary, however. If you don't know what the learning means, don't try to memorize the information by rote and pray the meaning will somehow reveal itself. And certainly don't expect your students will do this either, especially if, if you have done an inadequate job of explaining things. This is like looking at the number of a dia of the this is like looking at the number of the diagonal lines in a word and trying to attempt to use this strategy as storage to remember the words. So, meaning is most important. Ask questions. Absolutely ask questions. What did I just say? Especially for kids. What did I just say? Who can repeat it? What does it mean? How do you understand it? So for grandparents, that's a big one. How does one communicate meaning in such a ma manner so that learning is improved? A simple trick involves liberal use of, a, of relevant real-world examples embedded in the information. Constantly peppering main learning points with meaningful experiences. This can be done by the learner studying after class or better by the teacher during the actual learning experience. This has shown to work in numerous studies. In one experiment, the groups of students read a 32-paragraph paper about a fictitious foreign country. The introductory paragraphs in the paper were highly structured. They contained either no examples or one examples or two or three consecutive examples of the main theme that it followed. The results were clear. The greater the number of examples in the paragraph, the more likely the information was to be remembered. It is best to use real-world situations familiar to the learner. Remember wonderful Aunt Mabel's apple pie from Monday? This wasn't an abstract food cooked by a stranger. It was a real food cooked by a loving relative. The more personal example, the more richly it becomes encoded and the more readily it is remembered. And there we're going to stop. And, to, and when I begin next week, we will start with why do examples work? And again, remember, getting people to say it back is huge. It's huge. That's why teachers ask questions. So here we go. Let me see. And there we are done for the day. Oh, that was so interesting. Thank you.
Thank you. You are so welcome. Well, you're a, you are both teachers. One is a grammar teacher and one is a teacher teacher, <laughs> a school teacher. <laughs> but these are all really important things so that, you know, getting our kids to remember stuff is so important. So I hope I gave you some strategies. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. And also, just to finish off, thank you, Brian, for your recording today. Thanks, Frank, for your recording of our, our, our calls. And One Team Global starts in three minutes at 10 o'clock. I'd like to thank you for listening today. I love sharing my information. There will be more things on the brain next week. And, oh, my goodness, next week is Christmas on Friday. Oh, my goodness. Have you got your turkeys yet? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Mine's sitting in the freezer waiting to be taken out on Sunday, and then it'll defrost in the fridge. As well it should be. <laughs> yes, yes. And you need to give it enough time. I've, I, you know, I've had those years where I was innocent and didn't know better and didn't take it out soon enough, and getting the turkey defrosted became half the battle. It there d- definitely can be, that is for sure. So, everybody, I hope you have a wonderful day. Enjoy One Team Global if that's where you're going. Uh, we have no, or we have no sun today, just gray, because I do believe we are the northern part of that huge storm system. And still, here we are in the middle of December, and Michigan doesn't have it. Well, northern Michigan has snow, but southern Michigan, no snow. Not typical at all. It seems quite strange. However, it allows me to walk every day, which I love. So thanks, everybody. Frank is on tomorrow. We'll have a most lively call, and be well. Stay safe. Thank you. See you tomorrow. Absolutely. Be well. Bye, everybody. Bye.